great Canadian talk show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way. Yes way. And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show. Here is the July starts steaming towards August. Uh, beautiful weekend, Kenny. I hear you making the steam sound. In yeah, the steaming. Yeah, it is steaming spirited, everywhere in the world. Steaming into the scene, spirited, <laughs> Kenny. Hey, Kenny. That was almost my nickname, and then I changed it to spirited because it was know, almost steamy, Kenny. I didn't want to take someone else's name, you know. Pretty sure. I'm amazed that we had you on the air and you didn't have a nickname for uh, for. A while. Thank God Greg Selinger thought that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we paid for it. Everyone paid for Spirited. I just, you know. Kept the Free it. Press didn't pay for it. They got paid. Them and oh, all yeah. their subsidiaries. They made a, a fancy amount of money off that. Back Look at all the booming tourism we have now, right? Yeah. It worked. It was successful. That's why they played it for Winnipeggers. Yeah, well, it's about as successful as his latest campaign. We will move towards that. We're going to talk about the civic election some more, uh, the election campaign, and a special surprise to me interview uh, that we are going to swing around uh, swing around into in a few minutes. Um, in considering how, how we want to cover the election, how we are covering the, uh, the election, um, and other such things, you know, I'm looking at making sure that we touch on things that are not being covered in the mainstream press, uh, that we give voice to the community, uh, that we follow in the footsteps of what we established on Kick FM, and lo and behold, that's what's happened. Now, I also want to mention off the outset, I want to thank the listeners of this podcast, the readers of the City Circus columns on Wham.Live, uh, for their support. Um, there uh, were, were a couple of um, contributions that were made this last week, uh, one of which was uh, a significant amount. And uh, my deepest thanks, and I want to encourage all of you. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, and I know that there are people that listen who are fans of ours from Kick FM, fans of mine from the City Circus TV show on Shaw and the, the election coverage that I provided in 2014 there, uh, people listen to, to this podcast I uh, read the columns basically for there's more or less it falls into one of two camps. Either you love what I do or you hate what I do, but you can't live without it. <laughs> if you're on either side of the fence, your donations, your contributions, uh, sponsorships, advertising of the podcast of the upcoming City Circus episodes on Wham.Live, uh, the columns. Well, what was that saying, Kenny? The gas. The gas that fuels our engine. Our engines. And vroom, as you'll vroom. see, the interview today uh, comes about strictly because there is gas to fuel the engine. And the more <laughs> gas I can buy, the more neighbors I can go to and bring out their issues. And this helps put the candidates on the record as to how they're going to make Winnipeg a better place. So you used your refund from Rogers to fill up your gas tank? To I haven't got around? my refund from Rogers yet, but five days ain't going to cut it to... <laughs> <laughs> even even now, Kenny, would you remind me when we're done with this podcast, uh, there's a thread that came up on Twitter with the background of like the rod, the document Rogers filed with the feds explaining what some, you know, whatever failed core, whatever 
that yeah. failed. All the technical stuff. Can Would you remind me to send that to you? I need to send that to a couple of people. And one of these days, even though it's not civic election related, uh, it, it's certainly related to you know how, how many city services were affected by riot. And I actually asked a couple of city councilors this. I raised it just in passing about how is the city affected by the Rogers outage, which obviously it was whether the city subscribes to Rogers, Rogers products directly or not. So uh, remind me to send that to you. Um, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. This week in electioneering. Uh, we won't be spending as much time on this as I had anticipated. Uh, I'm not complaining uh, about that. Uh, I had wanted to go kind of deep into what went on because what emerged this week, uh, among other themes, uh, was that uh, Glenn Murray doesn't really like being portrayed as yesterday's man. Uh, and so he's come up with a number of policy uh, initiatives and platforms that uh, are all – ambitious and perhaps, uh, you know, a double-edged sword if Winnipeggers were to to buy into it. Uh, And Scott Gellingham, they had more publicity this week than anybody else. I'm not saying that they are in front runners necessarily or, you know, there's there's plenty of candidates in the race. Uh, Some of them have not made a lot of pronouncements. But what happened was, you know, you make an announcement, you want to get a little bit of ink, and the next thing you know, it gets some blowback, some feedback. So here's, for instance, earlier in the week, and we won't go into great detail, Scott Gellingham who said pledges that he's going to reform EPC uh, and others come forward saying, including Paul Havixbeck, for instance, uh, saying, well, you know, we brought forward uh, in our time. This predates Gillingham getting on council, but over the years we've tried to reform EPC and certainly in the time that Gillingham's been on council and Gillingham didn't really seem too interested in reforming the EPC process, the EPC structure at city council. Now, all of a sudden, he's saying that he won't let the deputy mayor be in on it. And he, he you know, he won't let the acting deputy mayor be part of it. And, uh, this thing that he's participated in for years uh, to his satisfaction as various forms of legislation have been passed, bylaws, etc. Uh, now he wants, no, it's not so good. So, you know, this got people's attention. A couple days uh, later, that was, I guess, July 20th on the, uh, or I think it was the 20th on the 22nd, uh, Glenn Murray uh, announces he wants to do this sweeping governance review, and the existing governance review is no good. He's read it through, and he has all these great ideas. And it was, uh, again, pointed out by people that uh, he was the mayor through the last, and this was where Paul Havixbeck came in, the last governance review prior to the, the most recent one, which was postponed until after the election, which is another piece of election uh, you know, f- f- footwork that we'll discuss another time. Glenn Murray was the mayor last time there was a governance review, and he didn't see anything wrong with the way things were established. Now, that's that's a sort of a, a fair comment, but it could also be said that, well, after f- another 15 years, you start to realize that some parts of how City Hall works, how councillors relate, isn't quite exact. Nonetheless, Glenn Murray comes in. Basically, what he said is that he's opposed to all of City Council. <laughs> that's what he's saying, is that all you people that are looking at this governance review, that part- and this is what really pissed people off. Is that he was? He claimed that there wasn't sufficient consultation on this, and that's that's an insult to the people that participated in the governance review thus far. Now, I'm not saying that review is perfect. Honestly, I haven't had time to even look at it, and then it kept getting laid over. I have a deep interest in it as somebody who's presented to city council. The first time I presented at city hall was 19. I hate to say this, 83 or 84, and certainly in 86, uh, made a major presentation to the then 29 member city council. And then covered it as a reporter with MTN, the, the election in 1989. Uh, anyways, you saw this infighting that included uh, people that have been associated with City Hall in the past, whether it's Paul Avexbeck, who a uh, former councillor, as far as I know, isn't backing any horse in particular right now. Brian Kelsey, who's a member of the 
campaign team for Gillingham and Brian, who was a former uh, uh, advisor going back to about 07, 08 to Mayor Cates until he left City Hall dissatisfied with the direction things were going and the way things were being run. And so they have chimed in. So you've got some so a little bit of infighting going on now and a little bit of a little bit of fireworks. So it was very interesting. Uh, and and it Glenn Murray's clearly trying to position himself as a, an outsider without admitting he used to be an insider uh, in a way. It, it's interesting to see how his campaign is trying to figure out where they can get some traction with the general public. And I can tell you that the the uh, anyone who remembers Glenn Murray that I've spoken with from his previous reign isn't too crazy about him returning, having the keys to 510 Main Street returned to him. Do you know who he reminds me of? Uh, who's do, you remember, do you remember when Homer ran for office to become like the garbage manager of Springfield? <laughs> and he made all these wild promises and he was able to keep the promises like for a week. <laughs> and then he didn't have any more money left. Garbage. <laughs> Because Glenn Murray's just coming in, he's like, I'm going to give you guys this. You're going to get this. The library's going to be open for this long. Well, you know, all these promises. I, I, and it's like, and I don't want to go too you deep into it, but he started talking about in this, you know, his first hundred days, he has this ambitious, you know, action plan. And this is why I said it's double edged sword, because when somebody comes in and says that they're going to appoint three of the five members of a committee that's going to review everything, yeah. uh, he very much believes not just in the strong mayor model, he believes in the strong arm mayor model is what it comes across as. And I don't think Winnipeg, a lot of Winnipegers don't have a taste for a bully in the mayor's office after what they've been through uh, the last uh, four years, certainly, and, and overall in the Bowman regime. Uh, so, uh, you know, when, when, when any candidate starts, <laughs> starts extolling the virtues of center venture and wanting to throw more money into those kinds of enterprises, you know, like that's a great campaign for 1996 or 1998. Uh, I don't know how great of a campaign it is for 2022 in the course of all of this. And, and I, I have to back up for a second. I didn't get a call out this week and my next call is probably going to be a follow up to what we're going to be talking about on this podcast, but I will be going uh, a little more in depth into what's going on between the campaigns, the similarities, the differences, the things candidates are, are getting tripped up on. I'll get into that. It was a relatively quick week. Uh, I have made contact with Rick Schoen. I should be able to interview him in the latter part of this week. Um, haven't heard back from Rana Bakari. There's uh, uh, some other candidates I'm trying to line up, uh, as I've mentioned previously. But today I went off the candidate route and I went to a human being. I went to a normal Wait, human being. Somebody who's not involved in the political process as a as a as an official or with the ambition of being an official. I ventured out where as we record this this is on sunday and i ventured out and i uh, had reason to visit a friend at their place of business uh in the south osborne area and after filling putting air in the rear tire watch those aluminum rims in the warm weather kids tires can lose pressure i pull out of the co-op and it's like well normally i'd go the other direction i go north i'm kind of on the wrong side of the street if you're you know what what the heck and i turn right and i start going to south osborne and i'm not driven through south osborne with any intention, I had one had to deliver something for Christmas like a, a year or two ago. It's the last time I remember being anywhere near, you know, like Coburn or Daly, Kyle Moore, up right. that neighborhood. I started driving through. And the first thing that you can't help but notice is the streets, the roads are a mess. And I drove in and I went. Now, my background with South Osborne, never lived there. I 
known various people. Bruiser Bastine used to live South Osborne. I've known other people that have the odd per- people with businesses up that way. The odd businesses I've uh, you know patronized over the years. The 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 Safeway at Calmore and and like that. And as I went more further and further west, keeping in mind the things that I've been copied on the emails, the letters to the to city hall that I've been copied on, I went west all the way down to what is Argue. Argue used to be basically a, a like a back lane that was a side lane sort of that the east-west streets would funnel into that was like the end of the road. And then from there, you'd go up to Jubilee, which was at that stage very close to Pemina. Well, all this now to the west is all the rapid transit uh, uh, construction program and all those condos that have gone up. And I've been reading for years about this and that the the traffic, the truck traffic is been damaging people's homes, damaging the foundation, ruining the streets, that there's a lot of uh, lack of enforcement on the of, of simple bylaws in terms of the construction sites and and, the, you know, all these other factors. I drive in, I take a look, I get to, to the end of, of whatever street I was on. It's like these buildings, Kenny, I don't know if you've been down there. These are enormous. Yeah. Enormous structure. So I now go down argue, which used to just come out of a back lane, I think, on the other side of Walker. Well, they cut a roadway out all the way that goes to the rapid transit station. And along that roadway uh, at the end of uh, like Berwick Place and uh, Morley and Arnold, there's these gigantic construction projects of various, some of which have been completed, of all sorts of uh, what apparently are condos. I'm sure some of them are apartments. Uh, but there's a lot of construction in a neighborhood that was, you know, very quiet, and it's not in the within the character. Nobody looks at that like it's in the character of of Lord Roberts. Now there there were some infill housing, but nothing like what I see in in uh, I guess it's called Old Saint Vitale off De Muron, where where you got some of those streets are just chock full of ugly, uh, you know, boxy infills, you know, lot splits and all that stuff. I see. A woman, an elderly woman, I know that that's stretching it at my age now, but she was clearly older than myself. And there she is in front of her little house, and I mean it's tiny, and she's tending to her garden, and she's got a cigarette in her hand. <laughs> and so I see this, and I just start laughing. I back up, I roll down the window, and go, excuse me, ma'am, I'm a reporter and I'm covering the civic election. Can I talk with you? And I ran past her, my understanding of some of the things that the uh, uh, South Osborne Residence Group has approached City Hall about, whether it's their city council or whether it's council as a whole or, the, or Mayor Bowman or whatever. And I went through this uh, with the, with this uh, with this woman. And and we, you know, she confirmed what, I, what I've been hearing, the change in character of the neighborhood and, and there, there's a, a loss of, of, uh, of home ownership, uh, questions about density. It didn't used to be like this. This is terrible. The house next door is being sold. The one across the street in four doors down is being sold. This, the road is wrecked. Yeah. Uh, now, this this uh, gardener, nice uh, gardener, she did mention she had been away in Gimli for a week. She comes back. She says that there's uh, three phone calls that she on her answering machine. There were robocalls. Uh, one from uh, Robert Falconulet might have been two from Robert Falconulet. Uh, uh, another from uh, Gilling. She thinks was from Scott Gillingham. I think she said Scott Gillingham. I'm going by memory here. Definitely Robert Falconulet. Um, 
I said, well, what do you do with the robocalls? She goes, I just hang up. Makes sense. She, this woman does not have internet, does not have an email address, does not drive a car. What? She's very old-fashioned. I said, well, how are candidates supposed to reach you? She goes, they can put it in my mailbox or they can phone my house line. No cell phone. Yeah. Wow. And there's a lot of now. The reason why this is important is there's voters out there like her. And guess what? They stay still pay property tax. Well, no, the roads are broken, Marty. They definitely aren't paying their taxes. This, this woman was not happy. She's been on that street for, I think it was 48 years. No, oh, wow. sorry. No, 48 years. And she grew up in the neighborhood, starting working at a, at a drugstore at Morley and Osborne. And her last job was at the Robins at Brandon and Osborne. So she knows that it's her neighborhood. Yep. She's not happy. So she confirmed a lot of what I've what has been going around and I contacted uh, I thought you know this is a good opportunity I'm already in the neighborhood I contacted the uh, the group in question and went over to visit with Bev Pike who's the coordinator of the group and we proceeded to I proceeded to do a short interview with it there's lots to talk about um, but this is worth listening to now keep in mind uh, some of what is being said I'm going to test uh, the claim about how many that there's a glut of condos on the market, I will contact. Remember here, Kenny, you can hear me make the note. Yeah. We draw an arrow, email uh, Winnipeg Real Estate Board, re condo condos on the market. So there's a few things that she said were opinion. A few things I believe are fact. There are a couple of things I'm going to check. Uh, but overall, what was she speaking about? The experience of of neighborhood and these aren't activists in the conventional sense these aren't people that if they uh, necessarily if they weren't carrying one gauntlet gauntlet they'd be carrying another but these are people that are specifically focused on on these civic matters that affect their neighborhood and this goes back many years i think i think we i mean we covered a little bit of this when it first started on kick fm but these some of the points that she brings up, uh, my guest brings up, uh, have been made over and over again in emails to their to Mayor Bowman. I, I mean, it's right in front of my face here. Uh, and I, I'm going to give you just Kenny will read this one l- email that was sent to Bowman and all of the media this past February. Okay. And then we'll go to the interview. Is that OK, Kenny? Oh, that's, I think that's perfect, actually. Since 2009, members and oh, Mayor Bowman. Since 2009, members and I presented peacefully, I might add, at many of these hearings on behalf of the South Osborne Residents Group. In return, we've experienced bullying, insults, gaslighting, personal attacks, temper tantrums, interruptions, side conversations, and even counselors come and go from the room without explanation. Many of us watched 20-year counselor turn her back on speakers at the Fort Rouge Rail Yards hearing. We've seen counselors check their emails and smile, even lie and confuse the issue we witnessed recently and saw of the city's video cameras how toxic decision-making can be. The result is that many, many people see the city as insensitive to voters. Something spurred this in February, and I, I, I did not have a chance to try to go backwards and figure out which counselor, what issue they're talking about in particular. Furthermore, the letter goes on to Mayor Bowman, many of us feel the city center community committee, for one, finds our honest attempts to collaborate repulsive. Infill decisions are made without due process, thus making public hearings a significant waste of energy. You'll appreciate how shocking all this is to citizens who walk in with a heartfelt desire to improve our communities. I want to stop right there for a second. That is a very important point. 
that when people get engaged in community uh, when I say politics, I don't mean partisan in a partisan manner, but the political process. People go in there. They aren't experienced politicians. They aren't lobbyists necessarily. They're people who, you know, have an investment. They're, whether it's their livelihood because of their business or, or, or their lifestyle because they've made it their home. And in, in this case, in the South Osborne area, Kyle Moore Walker, you know, name a street. Uh, they get involved because this is where they live. They're getting involved to further a cause of necessarily of, uh, you know, in, uh, uh, ta- cause with regards to, say, taxation. Or uh, cause with regards to uh, to say uh, environmental issues. Oh, it does play into this neighborhood a lot. I am sorry this letter went on to tell the mayor. I've seen counselors' unruly behavior cause psychological damage. This produced a widespread loss of faith, including faith in the planning, zoning, and inspection departments. Wow. This then goes on to say we've even found the integrity commissioner is reluctant to find against a counselor, even with the city's own video record. Counselors hire her. Check out her annual reports to see how many complaints she has dismissed. Is a concern citywide amongst resident associations. Uh, one of the few people to speak out against the hiring of that particular uh, integrity commissioner, by the way, it's the guy talking right now that nobody paid attention to her pathetic record, in particular as chair of a certain North End women's organization that was wrecked by a former chair who had decided to take it over and then proceeded to harass and intimidate staff to the point that over a dozen filed complaints with the province. And as, as uh, uh, chair of that organization, the Integrity Commissioner did nothing to remediate the situation in spite of the fact tax dollars were going in. So the notion the Integrity Commissioner is doing everything she can to find ways of getting Brian Bowman and the other councillors that voted for her to have this job at which she's really doing nothing effective is hardly a surprise. The problem is people have picked up on this. This isn't just somebody who's around City Hall or has been around and, and, and notices things. Average citizens count on the integrity commissioner to, to, to force counselors to toe the line. So they picked up on this. They picked up on how people that are innocent walking into the process trying to contribute and, and, and improve their neighborhood, that they're treated like crap. That's their role in this democracy. Democracy is supposed to have uh, citizens interacting with politicians to none make sure everything's this, going properly. None of this builds trust or accountability. Now, this letter was sent in regards to that controversial infill on Jubilee, 9-12-9-14 Jubilee, that was just completely not in accord. This is where the, the developer tried to switch out plans back and forth. I don't remember the precise particulars, but there is good reason for the neighborhood to be upset. And even the location of that build is just ridiculously idiotic for a variety of reasons. Uh, it's not like you want anybody to be able to get in out of their back lane. Let's just add another, you know, 40 units at the end of the street and see what happens to the back lane. Yeah. Anyways, uh, this has all been laid on the record. I was in Lord Roberts. I went to visit the coordinator of the South Osborne Residence Group, uh, Bev Pike. And uh, Kenny, can we drop in that interview now? And then we'll talk about what we hear she has to say about the planning department, city processes, and what the way... The candidates for mayor, this is addressed to the candidates for mayor, not the council candidates. All those of you running for mayor, listen to what this woman has to say about her experience, the experience of her group in dealing with City Hall and in particular with uh, the relationship between City Hall developers and rapid transit. I'm speaking with Bev Pike. Uh, She is with the South Osborne Residence Group. And for those of you that don't know, there's been a very active uh, group of residents 
uh, here in the South Osborne area, so this would be from you know the underpass to Jubilee, who for a number of years have been battling with City Hall because of the aftermath, the effects of rapid transit being uh, crammed into their neighborhood, and uh, subsequently a whole bunch of condos being built that, among other things, they say are being built uh, with improper processes uh, and without proper proper uh, proper consultation, and actually without analyzing the market for condos. And so Bev has joined us here on the Great Canadian Talk Show, Bev. Thank you. I think this is the first chance we've had to, to speak. Having read, especially your your uh, mailing of this pa- of this past week, uh, and we'll get some of that information in front of the audience. Um, it seems to me that you're striking on bigger picture issues that have to be brought to the attention of those who would wish to be the next mayor. Well, the biggest one is there needs to be a massive rehaul of the planning department because there appears to be. And it's not just this residence group, but all residence groups across the city, past, present, and future, perceive corruption. They, what we all, when we share stories, we all see that the developer community controls the planners. So what the planners have done, and we have, everybody has lots of evidence of this, uh, they don't obey their own laws. They don't obey city laws. So you can have a bylaw saying your neighborhood is supposed to be like this, and they just toss it out. If a developer comes by and wants to do something contradictory, they just rubber stamp it. Can you give us an example of things that have been done that, as you say, are contradictory? And I've just done a drive through here. I've not driven through Lord Roberts in, in quite a while. I remember when Argue was a glorified back lane, and it's now like a, a, a it's like a little bit of a speedway. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's designed really neat if you're on a bike or something, and a little tricky with the curves. But... The development at the west end of Lord Roberts is it, – it, it's overwhelming. It, this is not – I didn't expect to see what I see at the end of like Berwick and uh, some of these other streets uh, at Walker. Uh, this is would overwhelm any neighborhood. So can you give us an idea of some of the shortcuts that the planners uh, or City Hall is allowing the developers to take that are adversely affecting the neighborhood besides the fact that they're constructing all these condos to begin with? What the developer did in that case was uh, recruit the councillor, Jenny Gerbassi, who was councillor, our councillor at that time, to support it, and that was all he needed. Um, so they've created layers of legislation that contradict the overriding piece of legislation, which is our Winnipeg mm-hmm. slash complete communities. It has all kinds of terms in there, clauses that have been there for 10 years, where you're supposed to be sensitive to your context. You're not supposed to build uh, towers at the end of an old street in in a mature neighborhood. And I'll say that Plan Winnipeg, which was the predecessor of our Winnipeg, said the same thing. Yeah, that's always been the story here. Yeah, so that's bedrock legislation. And that's why I guess I was so surprised when I start, started driving at the at the west side of the neighborhood. It just, this is enormous, and I'm yeah. enormous, and nobody, on a beautiful, beautiful sunny day, nobody using the bike path whatsoever. Um, <laughs> before we move to the, the, the this coming election, I just want to harken back for one moment. Uh, without going into the details, I know that you that your organization rests a lot of the blame for what's gone on. And, and to explain, this is affecting people's property values, affecting the foundation of yeah, the homes. It's really bad. Uh, about how many 
like how widespread are those kind of problems that are affecting the the taxpayers directly, the property taxpayers? Throughout Lord Roberts, um, the the blocks closest to the pretend transit way have suffered uh, foundation damage that's very serious. So people are moving away. Um, don't forget, there's also transit's development at the north end of Lord Roberts, which is uh, creating over parking on our streets. So mm-hmm. transit workers park there meaning 24-7, meaning we can't. There's parking restrictions, there's legislation covering that, preventing that, it doesn't matter. It's not being enforced? Not being enforced. You're telling me the parking authority enforces parking restrictions near, say, the St. Bonifaz Hospital, Herald Sciences Centre, but here in Lord Roberts, okay. So I know that you that your organization lays a lot of the blame on the Sam Cates administration, officials in the Sam Cates administration. I'd like to discuss that with you another time when we have more time to sit down together uh, and and go through not not just the the current day, but explain some more of the history. But notwithstanding that, what kind of reaction or response have you gotten from Mayor Brian Bowman to the numerous well-written, well-thought-out missives that you have sent out over the years about bylaws being breached, about people's property values being negatively affected, uh, about the streets crumbling. What have you heard from Brian Bowman? Nothing. Not a thing. We've requested meetings. We've requested responses. We've requested referrals to the right civil service. Nothing. 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 No formal response. From no. Bra- so if I asked you to do a search of your the email for the for the group that you send out, uh, I know you send everything pretty much to Brian Bowman and to the various city councillors. You're telling me that you will not have any responses from Brian Bowman if you do this. Would you do that search for our, uh, for, sure. for us and let yeah, us know? Sure. Uh, now, yeah. let's move past Brian Bowman then, because uh, this is just going to be a, a short overview of one neighborhood that's in distress. Um, and this it, this is compounded by increasing property crime, car, car thefts, car break-ins. Yes. And there was some, not lately, but a a year or two ago, there were certainly reports of some horrific violence, machete-wielding thugs around uh, the South Osborne, this neighborhood. Uh, and just to place it for people, this would be uh, encompassed from from the old, damn near, I guess, a fire firebugged building on Morley, and you're going all the way up right. to Jubilee, and in the yes. middle, there's various restaurants, there's yes. the Safeway store, there's uh, the Park Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, just so people can picture this in, in their minds, it's a Certainly the uh, commercial strip has had some changes over the Mm -hmm. years. You've got people who grew up here that I've talked to that are now, you know, older than me and have lived here their whole lives. And they they reflected before I came to speak with you. I mean, I heard that this, you know, this is the story here, that there's a neighborhood that has challenges like every other neighborhood. But you have challenges other neighborhoods don't have because of rapid transit, because of because of this construction. Um what is your message to the people running for mayor now, to Glenn Murray, to Jenny Motkalek, oh. to Scott Gilliam? And Murray, uh, just to add, again, for the audience that, that are newer to politics, Murray would have been the city councillor for this area, if I'm remembering the district. So it was, was, did Fort Rouge include so? Yeah, I think it did. Back. Not trying to stick Glenn Murray with, with you know, <laughs> responsibility for something he wasn't responsible for, no, but I'm pretty back. sure when he was a city councillor that, that the South Osborne had to be part of the district, come to think of it, because he represented yes. Fort Rouge. Yes. What is your message to the count, to the, to the, not the candidates for council, the candidates for mayor in, in this election, Rick Schoen, you know, the people that are outside the process, the people that are inside the process like Gillingham, what's your message for them? Be brave. Get rid of all the planners at City Hall. They're, they all seem to be corrupted by developers and the development imperative. That's one message. The other big one is 
BRT rapid transit is obsolete elsewhere in the country. In Ottawa, they're having to redo what we think we're so genius doing here. So it's a mistake. Light rail transit is a better way to go. The tracks could go there. Mm -hmm. But the third message is the the um, transit-oriented development is nothing of the sort. It's developer-oriented transit. So it was a developer scam to build there. And they said, oh, I know. We will call it transit-oriented development, but it isn't. It's and, just a scam. And I've seen that point made in your in your uh, emailings, uh, your mass mailings over the years, that this is does not meet the definition even the traditional, de- but we all know nowadays government likes to change the definitions yeah. <laughs> of things to suit their purposes. I just want you for, for one moment as we conclude this this introductory interview, you have honed in on the on the concept that um, the city, through especially through what's going on here in Lord Roberts, that uh, it's overdeveloped that it's overdeveloped. And that the condo market doesn't exist to buy these condos. You're shaking your head vigorously as I say that. There's right now. There's four thousand empty condos. No, I just want to be clear. When you say empty, you don't mean where they're owned and vacant. You mean that they're on the market for sale. Yeah. Yeah. There's no demand because we have four thousand waiting to be bought. And that's the result of overdevelopment all over the city. So for instance, uh, and not to pick on anyone in particular, but Transcona, they got tons of new buildings out there by yeah, Kildona Place, for 4, instance. 4,000 empty. So the developers have been very rigorous mm-hmm. in uh, all kinds of persuasive tactics to enable them to build this much extra, including... Um, they don't vote, obey any of the laws that they're supposed to. So, for example, at the end of this street, I watched a crew caulking the foundation uh, at 40 below. What? So that building won't be viable. Caulking at 40 below. And the city doesn't the city doesn't inspect any of these no. things. Well, the inspection scandal that's relevant to this area ties yeah. back into it, eh? Yeah, there hasn't been adequate inspection. At Bev, all. I appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day. I know you have some visitors uh, coming for a dinner that I wish I was invited to. <laughs> I, I, I will. I'm 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 very interested in making sure that your group, other community groups, are able to get their stories out, mm-hmm. especially ones you've been dealing with. If there's other groups in other neighborhoods where they've been trying to deal with the city and they think that there's some some kind of two-handedness, scammy behavior going on. You know, I, I, I'll you're familiar. You, I'll send you links. Thank you. You're familiar with my with yeah. the kind of work I've done. And many yeah. years ago on radio, we said that, you know, the stuff that we would see coming out of City Hall, if this was happening in Montreal, nobody would he- hesitate to ask where the brown envelopes coming from and going to. And in Winnipeg, nobody ever wants to talk about that because apparently everybody that works at Winnipeg City Hall is a saint. It's too lucrative. It defies belief that there that that there isn't some undue influence going on when you see thousands of residents and people have been here their whole lives and they're being treated like like folks. If you come come out to Lord Roberts and you hang a right going south on Osborne before you go to Savatel Mall before you go up Dakota, you take a right, you go to the end of those streets and you look at the at the mess, the 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 condition of the roadways, and the idea that Brian Bowman's been mayor for eight years never try to meet with your group. No, no response at all. And that's why there needs to be a change 
at City Hall from top to bottom. Yeah. The impression I got, just to leave you with this, one of your neighbors on the one of the other streets I spoke to as I was driving through, they said that what's happened is that Lord Roberts has become the north end of the south end. Well, that's transit-oriented uh, crime. So what we've seen the kids do is they take the quick train, jump off, jack a few cars, break into, break into a garage, yeah, hop the then, train, and then go right back. So that you're saying that Lord Roberts has basically turned into Surrey. That's what people report. That's what happened in Vancouver when I was out there. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Bev, we'll have an, a further conversation. Thank you so much okay. for spending time today. You're and uh, and uh, I, I know that people are people are going to listen, and I'm interested in the, everyone's feedback. We'll be in touch okay. with you. We'll share that feedback with you as well. Great. Thank okay. you, Bev. Bye. It's getting warm back here. Now, you're probably asking yourself, I haven't heard a lot of these things out of the corporate media, mainstream media, taxpayer-supported CBC, other media outlets. Uh, that's what happens when you have newsrooms that don't know when a good story is staring them in the face. Yeah. Because, Kenny, I know that you were very surprised to hear the kinds of comments that came up, and they aren't without reason, because we talked about it on Kick FM, many, and certainly on City Circus I did many times, Winnipeg's the only place where all these screwy things goes on at City Hall, and if these things went on in a place like Montreal, immediately people would be wondering, who's getting greased? Yeah, like immediately when she's brought up the parking authority not doing their job in her neighborhood, I was like, oh, wow, they're too busy. Like you said, they're too busy around hospitals. Yeah, they're too busy tagging people or 10 minutes late coming out of a hospital visiting if they can even get in to visit a loved one Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. so that's an example of, you know, that's, you know, one of the little pieces that when they fit it together, I've got a number of emails that have been sent by this group in the last just year and a half. I just did a, a selection. One was about signs, okay, where one of the developers put up these signs, uh, two more signs sprung up overnight on daily. There's supposed to be a bylaw compliance department. Complaints last year and this year resulted in nothing. And this is a letter to the city councilor in this case. But I've been seeing this for quite some time, that the, that the developers are not held as they enter the neighborhood and exit the neighborhood. They aren't held to the rules guiding those things. What? And so this is death by a thousand cuts for people in the neighborhood. And what she said, I didn't pick up on it at the time, what she said about um, people closest to the uh, pretend transitway has suffered uh, foundation damage is very serious. Uh and uh, and they're moving away. I like that line. They don't obey their own laws. Before I before I got to speak with Bev, I when I was talking to that other resident, uh, and they're pointing out what's going on. The house next door is being sold. The one on the other side uh, of her home, uh, similar these are similar smaller homes, is being uh, fixed up for a rental. And the house across the street, three doors down, at the corner, at the corner which is right by this development, is being sold, has been sold, actually. So when when you start provoking the sale of homes in a neighborhood because you make it less livable, you make it uh, less appealing, you make it um, – you, you create a disruptive atmosphere. You start damaging the foundation. Well, now you're chipping away at community cohesion. 
So through all these comments uh, that were made, that the the parking authority isn't enforcing things, that the bylaw uh, 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 officers aren't enforcing enforcing things. And she also mentioned that I was fascinated to hear – to hear it put in these terms, uh, tra- this transit-oriented crime. Yeah, yeah. She's which is pretty exactly frank about what that happened too. with SkyTrain in Vancouver. Yeah. Exactly. So ridiculous. And now, as we were recording this, I got a series of emails. I've asked for some background documentation. Other correspondence has been sent. Uh, uh, they don't obey city bylaws, right, Kenny? Direct yeah. quote, and that's been yeah. said in 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 correspondence to the city previously. Number of e blasts to Mayor Bowman. I just received this, Kenny, as we were as we're recording this. Okay. From January 2015 to July 2022, Mayor Brian Bowman has received from the South Osborne Residents Group 80 emails. These are the email blasts. So this would be our group is concerned of this. Are you aware of that? We'd like to have consultation on this. Uh, The city's process wasn't fair that, right? 80 times from January 2015 to July 2022. How many replies does she have in her email account, in the email account of the group? How many replies from Mayor Bowman? Not from his weasel mouth staff, because I've seen a couple of those. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pick out one of them right now. Just hang on a second. One of the emails that was sent to the mayor uh, last year, and I'm just looking for where this is denoted in red. Uh, one of the emails sent to the, to the mayor last year like went through this failure to of the city to uphold laws, but their own bylaws, uh, to enforce regulations, to follow their own planning documents, blah, blah, blah. And one of these responses was well there's various processes to review this and review that and all these other things well no that that isn't an answer and they wrote back to bowman and said that's not an answer the city's not following the law and yeah. one city official and i and i've not had it identified to me and they break raises a couple of correspondences they were told by some city official whomever it is that if the city doesn't follow the law, it's up to you to sue them. Oh. Now, they've made this comment a couple of times. I've seen it in a couple of different emails. So this relates to governance, right? Well, what was Gillingham talking about? Glenn Murray talking about governance. Here's where people report corruption. With, and, and if the city – listen, there are times you're not going to force a bylaw. Something's going to be fixed in about a week's time, extraordinary circumstance because of a blizzard or a, something caving in. Okay. But this is for the entirety of a project. Week after week, month after month, year after year. I want to make clear I'm not an anti-developer, anti-development guy by any stretch. But this whole – Everything around rapid transit has stunk from the very beginning, right? Yeah, and now it's spreading crime throughout the city. Seemingly. Now, I will mention that that Councillor Edie, and this goes back to February 2021, Councillor Edie did respond to the the email I read earlier about land development hearings of people being mistreated. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 
Edie wrote, you referenced the rail yards, uh, rail yard hearings, brings to memory a very hotly debated development from all sides. The hearing process can be discouraging and subjective regarding, regarding council activities during a hearing. Can you please provide me with a hearing date that your group found overly combative or disrespectful towards participants the last few years? I'd like to hear a sample of what you're presenting to the mayor. So at least Ross Edie showed that he cared. Yeah. At least he showed he cared. There's a lot of games going on here. The definition of like the density of the city and how that's calculated, and 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 the, the inter the, the in the in the course of developing new bylaws and regulations and whatever and where when do you say shall and when do you say should? Uh, so there's a lot of ins and outs on this, but ultimately it's apparent that in Lord Roberts, this place is being used as a sacrificial lamb. Look at what happened on Jubilee. For three, for two consecutive years, three lanes have been closed. That's, How, why? It's bizarre. What kind of planning is that? And then they designate two of the streets. I'm trying to remember which they are. Rosedale, and I'm not quite sure what the other one would be. Uh, up by Jubilee, parallel to Jubilee, running parallel to Jubilee, the, the streets immediately north of it, they were designated as detour streets. And those two streets go right along school where schools are. But so there's been no, not just no planning by the so-called city planners uh, in regards to Jubilee, but they keep squeezing the neighborhood to make it more and more unpalatable to the residents. That's called blockbusting, where I come from in the old days. It's pretty horrendous. I mean, I, there's school. Absolutely. Like, like maybe one year. Oh, the detours are going by the schools. But like after a year, you should be able to fix it and be like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. The, the fact is that Bev Pike, this a, a reputable group of intelligent people. I have read their emails. They're well researched. Uh, and I, I've known this before today. Uh, but just going through the neighborhood, I looked at it. I thought, what is this? <laughs> and it's not just the condition of the roads. It's not just the construction. It's whether this construction was necessary whether the scale of construction was necessary, who do they think is going to move in here? They're, they've put in an awful lot of people to the point where it can change the voting dynamic in that neighborhood by having all these other people move in who are not invested in the neighborhood because they're renters. Now, in the in case of places that are condos, uh, again, uh, if these places don't sell, then you've created all this disruption uh, essentially for nothing. Yeah. Uh, this concept of, dry, of, of transit-oriented crime uh, is – it's hard to know what's most disturbing, though. I guess ultimately, Kenny, you honed in on the word corruption. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just spoke to me when she said it. She's like, oh, yeah, that's how, that's how you properly describe what she's seen. And it can be fairly said that because of recent court decisions in civil suits involving at least one former senior administrator of the city of Winnipeg, when somebody says corruption, it can't be dismissed no. anymore. No. Because the court determined somebody was a bribee. That's the that's the term the court used. Well. So there's just too many irregularities from what I see. But ultimately, what do we have? Where Lord Roberts has been turned into the north end of the south end. <laughs> yeah, Surrey is a really good example. Right. I don't think you have these kinds of problems in your end of town, Kenny. Well, no. That's not like this. Not like this. Well, you don't have a rapid transit line to deal with. 
That's Do true. you have massive road reconstruction out in your way? I mean, they're working on the roads. But you haven't had like a jubilee, like with jubilee basically closed for two no, years no. in the summertime. No, no, nothing like that. Um, there was something that was a multi-year shutdown, but I don't remember what it was. Was that on Ness or Saskatchewan, maybe? Oh yeah, it was on Ness when they had to redo. That yeah, that was bridge there. Yeah, and there's still there's sinkholes still every year. They're like on Ness, eh? Oh yeah, yeah, it's so bad. They, I don't know why they can't beat that river, but it it's Winnipeg. so bad. We want things to be better. People like Bev Pike want things to be better. They go to city hall, they go to city council, they try to participate, and they're treated like shit. That has to stop. That's the message for everybody running for mayor. Whether it's Glen Murray that used to represent that neighborhood, whether it's Councillor Gillingham, who should definitely be familiar with what's going on there and with what their concerns are. Again, whether it's whether it's Rannick Bakari or Jenny Motkaluk or or uh, or, or Rick Schoen or Robert Falconulet or any of the other candidates, Don Woodstock, regardless of which candidate it is, every one of them should become knowledgeable of what's going on because this can happen to any other neighborhood. And that is a reasonable concern. And all if things aren't made right, aren't made whole in Lord Roberts, which is a respected neighborhood, a respectable neighborhood, a neighborhood full of working people and professionals and seniors and retirees with a challenged commercial strip from about morally, I'd say, is really the commercial strip up to Jubilee itself. This neighborhood needs all the help it can get. No different than Corden, no different than Osborne Village. So you got three neighborhoods in the one ward. They're in a state of collapse. City candidates for mayor, besides candidates for city council, especially in that in that ward, but candidates for mayor should be paying attention to this and should be willing to meet and hear out Bev Pike and her group. And I'm going to find more groups. She said that other groups have had the same experience of being treated like dirt by the city planners of having the bylaw department turn their nose up and having the parking authority walk by things that genuinely affect the quality of life for these people that pay the taxes and pay the salaries for these bureaucrats who are treating them like crap. All of Winnipeg is in a state of uh, de collapse or whatever you said. Like it's all falling apart. The yeah. city needs to be fixed. And I've, I've said before uh, yeah. that that's if one mayoral candidate comes out and says, admits the city is wrecked. I'm going to fix it. They will find a receptive audience among the voters of Winnipeg, in my opinion. One road at a time. That's all they need to say. God, that would be a that'd be a heck of a a heck of a pitch. I just want to clarify uh, before I forget. I referenced the the email last week, which is why I was interviewing Beth Pike. It was actually last month. It was actually the 27th of June. So it was actually three weeks ago. Just to be uh, uh, clear, it wasn't recent recent, but it was recent enough that it was stuck in my mind. And and many points in it uh, I saw illustrated by what I saw with my own two eyes, what I heard with my own two ears from uh, the the uh, there's a couple of residents in the neighborhood. I talked to one very briefly, uh, one a little more uh, in the the community update they gave on June 27th. They provided the council to the everybody I could find in the media. By the way, Kenny, we have everybody's email address. If, if you want to send Janet Stewart a, some fan mail. Uh, I'm, pretty, link, I'm pretty sure she has me blocked still. <laughs> links between bribery convictions and transit garages, and they sent the leak, si- uh, the, the link. City's financial jeopardies, the mayoral race, which was about the city's bond rating, a blog post that had been put up that was pretty interesting. I don't know how, how really accurate it was, but they, they're trying to provide – here they are trying to provide information uh, to 
to the to the, the city mothers and fathers and referenced 912-914 Jubilee. And here's what they wrote. And, and this is what stuck in my mind from their email to Mayor Bowman and all of council on June 27th. The planning department, including bylaw enforcement, permits and inspection sections, supports developers who destroy trees, take over your streets, present danger to your, dangers to your kids and build cheaply in clear violation of their legal plans. There is no enforcement or penalties issued for clear infractions. Permits are seldom required. Unpermitted construction is condoned. This has been ongoing since Mayor Cates took office. Residents groups across the city are using the word corruption. I'll repeat that. Residents groups across the city are using the word corruption. Everybody running for mayor can't shy away from it, can't run in the other direction, and can't only point back to Sam Cates' administration. Because right now we have people coming forward with these concerns, these allegations, uh, these experiences, and Brian Bowman doesn't say a word back to them in response. What does that tell you? That's shocking. We need a change. There has to be a complete change of attitude. And to see this neighborhood, and I've known at different times, I've known people that have lived there or that grew up there, uh, uh, both in the on the west side of Osborne and a, a few on the east side, which uh, uh, doesn't have the same problems because they nobody's driving in their direction to get to the rap, you know, the the, the construction on rapid for the for the rapid transit condos, etc. But I've known people through the neighborhood. Uh, going back to when I drove cab, it was always considered a, a good neighbor to you know sit at the sev and wait for a trip, right? And you get the uh, get uh, the old folks home. Pardon me. Or you get a snack and wait. You got a snack. There used to be a Mac store up there. There's a, a, a senior citizens residence up there. A lot of apartment buildings in the old days. Uh, it's not like I'm a stranger to that neighborhood, but that neighborhood is turning strange, and it's not their fault. And they need help, and they are expecting help uh, from the he or she who will be the next mayor. And we're going to follow up on this. And if if you're with a neighborhood a neighborhood group uh, that has similar concerns, I'll come out. I'll talk with you. We'll get you on the record. We'll put your issues in front of those candidates for mayor, in front of those candidates uh, for council. Uh, no other newsroom in this city is giving 10 minutes to any 10 15 minutes to anybody. Don't you wish you were hearing this on radio? Oh. This is what Winnipeg Radio should be able to do. This is what we're going to bring forward with your help and support. The uh, here here here. Let's buy the Great Canadian Talk Show a tank of gas. Let's put. Let, let's see if people will, will will just look for the link. I'm not. We're not looking for a thousand dollars for somebody. Ten bucks, twenty bucks, fifty bucks, a hundred bucks. That gives us the ability to go into the field to talk with the residents, the businesses that are affected, to look at what's going on, and whether it's needles all over the ground in in. Uh, central Winnipeg or in the North End, whether it's this kind of construction-related fiasco uh, in uh, South Osborne, whether it's the crumbling roads and 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 maniacs breaking into cars uh, on a on a uh, nine times a year for some people, they get their cars broken into in River Heights, the emerging crime, uh, re-emerging crime uh, in in Saint Boniface, the public disorder in Saint Boniface. Uh, wherever it is, uh, we're going to follow up on it. And you know what? I didn't even touch on stories that we've been getting about transit and what it's like to ride no. a transit bus in this city. It's got to be scary. That no candidate for mayor will dare just ride the bus on a Friday night 
through the city, back and forth, take some different routes and see what kind of crap is going on and how people who pay fares are being treated and why they feel that their money is going to waste when they pay the fares and other people come on, don't pay the fares, start fights, start smoking crack, start shooting up right on city buses. But those, hey, those rapid shields? transit will save the transit system. Those shields are the worst things possible for the actual citizens on the bus because the driver feels safe picking up anyone now, or not picking up anyone, but picking up I, people I that they wouldn't you know normally pick up. I have a lot of sympathy for bus drivers. I don't think they feel particularly safe. They feel safer. But that's but, what I'm, I'm saying. Like they, I think before they were gauged like, oh, I don't want this person on the bus because yeah, well, but now the convention safe. is to let everybody on the bus. Yeah, and See, that causes that problems because there are people that are being let on the bus that are. You know, evidently impaired and disruptive as they get on. And um, the next thing you know, they're talking to people who don't want to be talked to. They're, they're looming over people with their, you know, uh, smelly personal hygiene or whatever, drooling on people. I've, I've heard horror stories for the last two weeks that, Kenny, I haven't even talked to you about. Horror stories about the experience of, of and in particular, senior citizens, I, um, Young people, men and women uh, th that are in their first, second, third job, you know, that, that, that are, you know, take those late night shifts, right? Yeah. And they're getting off work at 11, 10.30, 11, 11.30, midnight. Again, the, the candidates from here, you've, I, I know your campaigns are listening. I know some of you are listening. We appreciate that. But this is what we're coming forward with. You're not hearing this from CBC. You're not hearing it from the free press. You're not getting it from the sun anymore. And so we're going to bring these stories forward again, support of our listeners, the support of our followers. Uh, uh, this work is, is important. It's essential to making sure that as many voices as possible are heard in the election. And again, I, 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 we rely on your support for this. And I'm, we're putting in the time and we're putting in the effort. And I want to also shout out to, to WAM.Live. Uh, they've had a, they're yes. doing something that they aren't used to, and that is providing a platform for specific coverage of city hall matters in a in a in an aggregated uh, uh, tab on the website and uh, down the line we'll be producing city circus tv with them and and uh, you know the they're they're putting in some time and effort on the back end yeah. the technical end of this and i i want to publicly thank them for it uh because they're helping us try to help the public make good decisions as we move towards the civic election final comments kenny because i think we've been at this long enough did you listen to the new morning shows I have not. No, Kenny, it's 9 a.m. is a big challenge for me. <laughs> 7, 6 a.m. I know that Phil is Phil taking over the Aubrey. morning show on 92, is it? Yeah, he rejoined forces with Kirby again, so he's my, on 92. My recollection that. is that Phil was a fan of of uh, some of our work. I, I think that goes back really to City Circus, uh, but I understand that he um, – He's a big time radio guy. He's been supportive of some of the issues we brought forward to the public. I think he's the most popular. Ah, no, Ace is still the most popular guy in the city, right? And I would think. I would think so. The sure. 104 crew, but I think he's like third. I mean, I don't think he's going to get top. Five. A he's a popular guy. And uh, what happened with the other morning show? Is that 97? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like what? Uh, Jay Richardson, Vicky Shea, and some new girl. Yeah, you know what? Again, I'm not a morning. Person. I'm not a morning person, but I would. I I I, I pretty much would only listen to. One of those two stations, I would guess, it, most of the time uh, in the mornings, uh, music and otherwise. And I know Jay Richardson. Um, Jay Richardson and I have had some uh, very – a few years ago, we had a very, uh, very nice exchange of pleasantries, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, uh, he was – he's been supportive of my work, and I've been supportive of his. 
And Vicky Shea, who I've only met in passing in the past, but boy, she's she's she could uh, she would fit in in all sorts of so-called major markets, including where I've uh, where I've resided in the past, where I've traveled through in the states, and she would fit right in. She's a uh, very good at that style of broadcasting, that kind of that kind of programming. Yeah, yeah. it's a different yeah. kind of programming. I don't know. It's something. It's nothing I ever wanted to was asked to try and ever really wanted to try. But uh, those are actually that's good. You know what? It's, uh, it'll force the other morning programs to stay on their toes as well, because well, it, Phil, Phil and Jay are they're both reasonably informed individuals about current affairs. And so I think you'll be getting some good talk in between the, the music and the weather reports and everything on those stations. Uh, I don't think you're going to it's going to be entirely, you know, just, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh uh, happy chat, you know, bubbly, you know, uh, bubbly conversation. I think there'll be some good points that'll be raised by both those by both those radio programs, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that the some radio stations are at least trying to compete in this market. That's good the only hear. the only problem that I had with the Power 97 show is that they talk more about the Jets than they did about the Bombers on Friday. And I know that Jay Richardson works for the Jets, so you know there's lots of inside chat, but. Yeah, what were they talking about? Uh, I was just listening Agency, to them throughout the morning, right? And then, yeah, yeah, and then Jay Richardson also mentioned that he had a uh, a spot to do with the Jets or whatever, so he doesn't get much sleep, I guess. I think there'll be a lot more bombers. I think well, there'll be a lot more bombers coming on. It, well, well, it was like their, what, second or third day, so I, like, I don't take anything to – it's like the first time you do something, it's not going to succeed, but Jay Richardson's so much better with other people. Like, the show is fast. He's so fast. Like, when he works by himself, some things don't fly. But now that he's working with other people, like, he's just shining. So, yeah. Yeah. It should be some good radio in the mornings. Uh, well, you'll let me know because I'm not up that early. Uh, if you want to contact us, uh, martygoldlive at gmail.com. Uh, link for donations. I'll make sure to cram it in in the bottom of the uh, episode description. Uh, if you have story tips, let me know. Uh, I'm hoping to get uh, audio with... Uh, candidate Rick Schoen very quickly. I know that uh, Jenny Motluck will be getting with uh, Robert Falconlet as well. It's a, a little bit of time. And some of these people have families and they're trying to cram in as much time with their families, some of these candidates with their families now because they won't have time in September yeah. or October. And I, I respect that very much. But hey, Kenny, I think we've opened up a, a, a good door now with being able to talk with voters, with residence groups uh, and, and make sure that their concerns are put on the, on the agenda. And uh, we're going to continue that work. Perfect. Uh, that's it from us. Uh, another podcast next week. Look for uh, our column on wham.live uh, during the middle of the week. And uh, thank you for supporting what it is that we do. And remember, you have the power. Stay loose, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com or follow him on Twitter at tgcts1.